Ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit. And so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of the 13th of January, 2019. The podcast that fritters and wastes the hours in an offhand way. This is your host, Shane Killian. First, a couple of quick announcements. Subscribestar is back up and taking payments again. Some of you have already moved over there from Patreon. So if you're looking for an alternative for supporting this podcast, just go to subscribestar.com slash ShaneDK. You have all of the same benefits there as you do on Patreon, including access to the special Discord server. One more quick item. The airtime extension for Firefox has apparently been taken down. I'm not sure why, but the devs assure us that it'll be back on as soon as they get a new version approved. So hopefully not too long. If you've already added it to Firefox, you can continue to use it. And the Chrome extension is still there. Sorry for any frustration. Okay, let's unsubscribe to the news of the bogus. As we've covered, a lot of the censorship we've seen on Patreon and Gab and Subscribestar is at the behest of payment processors such as Stripe. Most recently, although to little online fanfare, they've shut down payments to Keys for Coins, which is a way of purchasing gift cards for games online, including many for the PlayStation Network, Xbox, iTunes, Steam, and many others. They've always accepted cryptocurrency, but their ability to take bank cards has just been shuttered by Stripe. According to the company's Twitter, quote, Our Stripe account has been blocked, and from today, no purchases can be made with bank card. Nobody can block us from accepting cryptocurrency, which is an amazing invention. We have been trying to get a reason from Stripe without luck, and are looking for alternatives. To clarify our contact attempts with Stripe, in both cases, they said they cannot give any more specifics than that the risk of fraud is higher than they can legally accept, and that they tried the hardest to accept us, completely ignoring that we require successful 3DS authentication. 3DS, or 3Domain Secure, was developed by Visa to prevent fraud, so their risk of fraud is no higher than it is with Visa, so this is clearly a bogus excuse. Actually, we started as a cryptocurrency-only accepted shop. It is only recently we added Stripe, and it did not last long. When requiring successful 3DS authentication, we are not high risk. We are low risk. Our refund rates for Stripe for this month of processing is 0%, and dispute or chargeback is also 0%. We've been told all along that we need government to manage things like banking because if the free market did it, bad things would happen, and they'd be able to just shut off banking services for people they don't like. But what's happening now? 
the censorship continues unabated in the most regulated market in the country. Yet it's the free market that's developing solutions. Most cryptocurrencies are censorship-proof. This is good not only as a matter of freedom and the right to express yourself freely and do business in an open market, but it also removes barriers to innovation. The onerous regulations the government puts the financial sector under allows for crackdowns on completely arbitrary businesses. An earlier example is WikiLeaks. Despite the tremendous service they do for humanity, and despite the fact that they are absolutely supposed to be protected by the Constitution's guarantees of freedom of the press, governments put pressure on payment systems to deny them services so they can't get donations. So they started accepting donations in Bitcoin and other cryptos. We've also seen denial of the right to an attorney in both the Ross Ulbricht and Kim.com cases, where government froze their assets and said they couldn't even be used to pay their defense teams. Although in both cases it got overturned, if you could pay your attorney in cryptocurrency, this couldn't happen, because government can't seize or freeze crypto unless they get their hands on the private keys somehow. People don't like censorship, and so the free market is going to cater to that by developing censorship-proof alternatives. It's government and their cronies that have always loved censorship, so asking them to protect us is like putting the fox in charge of every henhouse. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. We've been covering the evolution of how U.S. courts view the issue of suspects being forced to unlock their phones. At first, they said the police couldn't demand a password or other key or phrase because it was testimonial, but some courts were saying that you could be forced to unlock it biometrically or with your face because that's not spoken and therefore it's not testimony. More recently, we covered a case where the courts said that this was ridiculous. Either way, you're forced to give up the information in the phone, and it's that information that matters. While they can seize the physical phone... The information in the phone and accessible by the phone is so pervasive, including private communications, health records, banking records, all sorts of things, that this demand comprises a general search, and a warrant to force this comprises a general warrant of exactly the kind the Fourth Amendment forbids. Now, a California court has agreed. Cops can't force people to unlock a phone with face or finger. 
The U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California, in what some are deeming a landmark case, has denied a search warrant in an extortion investigation where a victim was asked to pay to avoid having an embarrassing video of them released to the public. Police wanted to raid the entire property, including forcing people to unlock any phone on the premises using biometric data. While Magistrate Judge Candace Westmore agreed that there was probable cause for a property search, they didn't have the right to force people to unlock their phones. She called the request overbroad, saying that it was, quote, neither limited to a particular person nor a particular device. But more importantly, even with a warrant, police don't have the right to force suspects to incriminate themselves by unlocking mobile devices. Quote, if a person cannot be compelled to provide a passcode because it is a testimonial communication, a person cannot be compelled to provide one's finger, thumb, iris, face, or other biometric feature to unlock that same device. The undersigned finds that a biometric feature is analogous to the 20 nonverbal physiological responses elicited during a polygraph test, which are used to determine guilt or innocence and are considered testimonial. The judge pointed out that, quote, Technology is outpacing the law. But then, it always does. We cannot rely on the government to respect our rights, and that's why complete 100% dedication to the Bill of Rights is crucial. The ruling could be overturned, but the fact that we're seeing this more and more from the courts is a good sign. Here's hoping the trend continues. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. There's another trend, though, that's disturbing, and that's the price of zero-day exploits on the gray market. Zerodium is one of the leading dealers in market exploits, buying them up not so they can be released to the vendors and fixed, but sold to others, including to governments to make cyber weapons. We've known what a terrible idea that is ever since Stuxnet, a fairly nasty piece of malware made by the U.S. government to attack Iran's nuclear power facilities, which got away and spread all over the Internet. Zerodium is now offering up to $2 million for zero-click jailbreaks of iOS devices, $1.5 million for one-click, and $1 million for exploits of secure messaging apps like WhatsApp and iMessage. Each of these is now up $500,000 from where it was previously. The problem is that this is orders of magnitude higher than bug bounties offered by the vendors themselves, such as Apple's, which maxes out at $200,000. Mostly these are purchased by governments who ostensibly want to use them to spy on terrorists, but as we've pointed out before, the Boston Marathon bombing, the Paris attacks, and the San Bernardino attacks prove the government can't even protect us when the terrorists communicate in the plane. 
but they have shown how willing they are to spy on ordinary people, and these exploits let them do that just as readily as it lets them spy on the bad guys. But please, let's all lose our heads over imagined worries about our president colluding with Russia to make posts on social media, because that's so much more threatening to us. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to counter-rotate this week's biggest bogan emitter. And you would think by now, after all the backlash not only from Europeans but around the world, the EU would consider dropping the horrible Articles 11 and 13 we've been covering. But apparently, they think their big copyright buddies are more important. In fact, even the notion of putting in basic safe harbors for internet providers has record labels and movie studios screeching that they're going to drop their support. This means that, as everything moves forward, internet companies will be increasingly liable for what their users post, exactly the opposite of what made the internet great. In an official Q&A, which everyone else online calls a fact, they wrote, The proposed directive on copyright in the digital single market seeks to ensure that artists, especially small ones, for example musicians, and news publishers and journalists, benefit from the online world and the internet as they do from the offline world. This is hilarious. The small musicians and journalists and filmmakers have been enabled to make money by the internet like never before. If anything, these plans will kill the internet for small independent producers because everything will be locked down pending approval from giant record labels, news publishers, and motion picture studios. We see once again that this has never been about piracy. It's always been about stifling small competitors. Currently, due to outdated copyright rules, online platforms and news aggregators are reaping all the rewards, while artists, news publishers, and journalists see their work circulate freely, at best receiving very little remuneration for it. This makes it very difficult for artists and media professionals to earn a decent living. It's your stupid business models that are outdated. When they talk about artists, they really mean labels. When they talk about journalists, they really mean big publishers. And indeed, there was a study of a similar directive in Spain that showed that the smaller publications were harmed by it. It is important to point out that the draft directive does not create any new rights for artists and journalists. It merely ensures that their existing rights are better enforced. 
How dishonest can you get? This creates massive new rights for record labels and giant publishers. Notice how they cleverly avoid mentioning those. Nor does the draft directive create new obligations for online platforms or news aggregators. It merely ensures that existing obligations are better respected. What is currently legal and permitted to share will remain legal and permitted to share. That is absolutely ridiculous. They know perfectly well that their directives require sophisticated filtering software to be required by every single website, which the smaller websites are not going to be able to afford. The draft directive does not target the ordinary user. Well, maybe it doesn't target them, but it'll still have a huge impact on what the user is allowed to access. It will also stop users from sharing the kind of content they're used to sharing, even so much as sharing a meme or a link. By contrast, the draft directive will impact large online platforms and news aggregators like Google's YouTube, Google News, or Facebook making it essential for them to correctly remunerate artists and journalists whose work they monetize. But they already do that! YouTube has all the filters and everything else in place. What this would do is prevent a competitor from springing up. The draft directive will not be the source of censorship. By increasing legal liability, the draft directive will increase pressure on Internet platforms and news aggregators to conclude fair remuneration deals with the creators of work through which the platforms make money. This is not censorship. Um, just what do you people think censorship is? And we're not being theoretical here. We've already seen the censorship directly resulting from the DMCA and similar laws around the world. Here's an outright lie for you. Is the directive creating automatic filters? No. But there's no possible way they can comply with the directives without those filters. A meme falls under the generic rights of citation or quotation and parody. The citation and parody rights are not covered by the draft directive. Then how come you people lost your heads when basic fair use and safe harbor directives were called for? There's nothing whatsoever in these directives that protects fair use at all. And besides, how are these filters, or automated solutions, or whatever you want to call them, going to distinguish between parody or a meme and an actual infringing use? They can't. It's going to sweep all of the parodies and memes up with them. There are no exceptions for parodies, memes, citations, or commentaries, and the directives pretty much require a notice-and-stay-down policy. However, if large platforms and news aggregators do not come up with any innovative solutions, they may end up opting for filters. Such filters are already used by the big companies. Oh, well, wait a minute! You just said that this was only about getting big companies to meet those obligations. Yet, you just admitted that they already do! So what is this really about other than putting the screws on smaller competition? The criticism that these sometimes filter out legitimate content may at times be valid. However, this criticism should be directed towards the platforms and news aggregators designing and implementing them, not to the legislator who is setting out a goal to be achieved. Yeah, it's not our fault we're asking them to do the impossible and all sorts of bad things directly result from that. Blame it on the websites that don't have a choice because we made this the law. 
Although the draft directive is aimed at helping all creators have a stronger bargaining position on how their work is used by online platforms, the main beneficiaries will be the smaller players. Larger players often have law firms to safeguard their rights, whereas smaller ones currently have little means to support them. Well, then how can you claim to be helping them? You just admitted that they don't have the same big law firms to secure their rights from directives that are impossible for them to comply with. Smaller players have always benefited from the open internet. The only beneficiaries of this will be big publishers who always get the large remittances that such laws require without passing them on to the actual journalist, musician, artist, or writer. In fact, this bill will pretty much require that independent musicians sign on to a record label if they want their music put online without harassment. We've seen how this failed in Spain. We've seen cases where public domain works like Beethoven symphonies or even white freaking noise get caught up in these filters. I myself had a Debussy piano piece I had performed myself claimed by at least 24 different publishers. They have to know that they're lying. And so the EU Parliament just has to be this week's biggest bogan emitter. You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.pagosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.pagosity.tv and start saving now. And now let's send to a re-education camp this week's Idiot Extraordinaire. And this week it goes to the L.A. Teachers Union, and they're mad about all sorts of things. But the interesting part is the thing they're really mad about that no one in the news media seems to want to cover. They hate charter schools. It's the first L.A. teacher stoppage in 30 years complaining about the actions of their Democratic-controlled school district, framing it as a bold and courageous fight for the education of the children. Oh yeah? Then why are they calling for a moratorium on charter schools? L.A. has 224 charter schools, more than any other city in the country, and apparently Democrats all over the country are falling all over themselves to support the teachers without actually mentioning why. At least Alexandria Occasional Cortex mentioned they were striking against privatization. Bernie Sanders didn't want to mention that part in his tweet, but he did post a link to the Jacobin chock full of lies about charter schools. Most of them, like Elizabeth Warren, just responded with flowery rhetoric about how we shouldn't fail our children and our future. Senator Kamala Harris actually said that she was particularly concerned with expansions of for-profit charter schools, even though the state of California banned for-profit charters last September. All charters have to be non-profit now. House member Ro Khanna was ready with the lies, quote, The district should not have private companies run the charters. These charters are mostly not unionized, and they are not serving students with disabilities or the children of immigrants who don't speak English. Charters were never supposed to be a substitute for good public education as they have become in the L.A. school district. This is an outright lie. Charter school admissions are done by random lottery. They do not discriminate. 
and charters fairly consistently have better performance than the government-run schools. They have to, otherwise parents won't choose to send their children there. According to Gallup, Democratic support for charters was down to 48% in late 2017, compared to 61% in 2012. Charters keep suffering elsewhere, too, including a failed attempt to lift the caps in Massachusetts. We know what this is about. The government agents that teach children in public schools are scared of losing their jobs to competition. This is about nothing more than the greediest, most powerful union in California trying to shut down charter schools. California already spends more money on education than any other state. Are we really supposed to believe that this is just about funding? I want to share one comment on this Intercept article from Harp 4. One thing to understand about the LA schools, they hire C students in many cases, and then, after three years teaching, give them lifetime employment. That is the outrage. I spent many years there, visited schools, and, as usual, the wealthy areas have better schools, and the even wealthier have private schools. There should be a voucher program. Each parent picks where they want to send their child. The school can be athletic or religious or agnostic in prioritizing, but if standards fall, they are closed. There would be competition for jobs teaching the most valuable resource the country has, its future. Parents wouldn't have to pay twice, taxes for public and then tuition for private, and no one should feel the mediocrity of being shuffled off to a place they don't want to go to get taught by people who just want a paycheck. Artists of all kinds would flood the classes and share creativity with children. Retired technical and business people could teach. The schools would rock. Now, there, it is barbed wire, concrete, boredom, and mediocrity. Right on, Harp 4. So all of that makes the L.A. Teachers Union this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Got to Keep the Loonies on the Path edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come join the discussion at discord.bogosity.tv and feel free to send a question, statement, news article, or rant in text or audio to podcast at bogosity.tv. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please donate to Shane DK on PayPal, or if you want to use crypto, you can donate at altcoins.bogosity.tv. You can also support Shane DK on Patreon or Subscribestar to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free. Or just visit my YouTube channel or website using the airtime extension at airtime.bogosity.tv. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from George Santayana. A child educated only at school is an uneducated child. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. You can now get two free audiobook downloads and a 30-day free trial at audible.bogosity.tv, your choice from the world's largest selection of over 180,000 digital audiobooks and spoken word content for your iOS or Android device, Kindle, or MP3 player. Go to audible.bogosity.tv now.